When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello there. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Nathan Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by <clears throat> Lucas Lajos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. So how are you guys doing? You're really going to start off with hello there and not give one of us a chance to say General Kenobi. <laughs> well, what do you think for what extent trade is going to be? Yes, excellent. <laughs> I am very pleased with this. Having stayed up late to watch both Kenobi and binge most of Stranger Things this week, uh, more media promote extent trade, please. Did you like Kenobi? Oh, yes. Me too. Except for that one thing, you know the thing. I do. I don't, I wonder how they're gonna deal with that. (laughs) Like, we've seen, if you know, you know what we're talking about. If you don't, don't worry about it. We've seen people come back from worse. I'm sure they're not actually undoing anything. Of course. It's just, I was like, oh, huh, I wonder how they're going to... Uh, Fix re- that. Yeah, exactly, basically. <laughs> Poor Ken. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. All good. All right, well, yeah, um, promote extend trade. Obviously, this is an important special weekend because Obi-Wan Kenobi came out. So, I mean, this is pretty basic and and general vague so can you can you know you you can have an uh, an opinion here and okay good to know yes <laughs> you are allowed uh, to have an opinion <laughs> <laughs> basically what 
what we're going to promote extend trade a bunch of different fights that Obi-Wan was involved in. Excellent. Excellent. So first up is Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn versus Darth Maul on Naboo, which took place in uh episode one. Then we have Obi-Wan versus General Grievous on Utapau, and that took place in episode three. And then finally, we have Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader on Mustafar, which took place in episode three. Oof. So many other good ones you didn't mention, like no Obi-Wan versus Maul in Rebels, no Obi-Wan versus Vader in the original. Well, the the, the original fight was kind of yes, not that yes. great. <laughs> yes. I mean, they didn't know how to choreograph fights back then. It's more nostalgic than anything. Yes. yes. And I wanted to keep it surface level so that everyone would be able to participate here. Thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Grievous is the easy trade. That fight was honestly, like, underwhelming. It should have been better. I mean, yeah. Yeah. General they, Grievous from the uh, Clone Wars... The original Clone Wars cartoon. Cartoon, right. Yeah. Right. He was a fucking badass. He kind of sucked in the movie. Yeah. But the, okay, so Obi-Wan versus Anakin, or Obi-Wan plus, my, I think the Qui-Gon Obi-Wan Maul fight is the single best choreographed fight in all of Star Wars. Oh, but it's Obi-Wan versus Vader. That's, that's a tough one. I, I really like the Obi-Wan versus Vader fight. Like, it's good. Those prequels have a lot of problems, obviously, but, that was like I think that was really well done and just the emotion of it and everything too. I felt it. But Duel of the Fates. Uh I'm gonna be contrarian and say the Qui Gon I'm extending Qui Gon and Obi Wan versus Maul, but I will not begrudge anyone who disagrees. I don't even think that's contrarian really. Like everyone really likes that fight. You know the fight, the fight is so fucking good. Alright, well see now it comes down to Ken. You are the difference maker I'm, here. I'm gonna agree with the uh the Darth Maul one, the, the double sided lightsaber. Yes. <laughs> I mean you can't go wrong with any of them. Very badass. Well either either one I should say, because General Grapus was, you know, yeah, it should have been better. Kill him with a fucking like they most of their fight would seem punching a metal exoskeleton and being like, huh, that hurt. I wonder yeah. why. <laughs> Jeez, or, or kicking it, whatever he did. I mean, it's the, the first, like, maybe 15 seconds of that fight was, you know, when, when he starts, like, whirling the lightsaber blades. Uh-huh, like, okay. Uh-huh. And then it just kind of not, it, it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Here's so a separate, th- here's, a, here's a separate thing that I talked to my brother about. What's the better, and, and it kind of, like, is relevant to this question here. What's the better song? Duel of the Fates or Duel of the Heroes? Duel of the Fates. That mm-hmm. I agree with. Sure. You know Duel of the Fates. You know Duel of the Fates. Everybody does. I don't know uh, name, but yes. If probably. you hear them, you'll know them, I think. Like, yeah, it's like the... Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, Duel of Fates is, like, super powerful, but Duel of the Heroes, it's, like, emotional that yeah. Duel of the Fates doesn't have. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one. 
Again, they're both John Williams scores. Everything of John, John Williams. I, I've made this point to some other people. John Williams is going to be the longest lasting, most remembered composer of the last of basically human history by the end of the next century. Cause it's his music that's going to survive more than anyone else's because he's scored so many iconic yeah. pieces yeah, of media much. in a way that's very like, obviously, um, Hans Zimmer has done a lot of stuff too, but his stuff, you don't hum. It's atmospheric. John Williams stuff, you hum. You hum the Jaws theme. You hum star, songs from Star Wars. It, that's going to live. He's going to live forever. He is with a, good reason. A modern day Beethoven, yeah. Really, nobody comes close. I mean, what what pop culture theme? I honestly like the closest you can get. I guess this is originally what I actually wanted to have for promote extend trade was music scores, mm-hmm. and I couldn't think of it there. Obviously, John Williams has the Star Wars music, and mm-hmm. then. Close, but I would say not at the same level, but close would be Howard Shore with the Lord of the Rings music. Very fair. What would be a third, though? There isn't anything. Anything that you would come up would be a distant third. Uh, Hans Zimmer's Interstellar score, I think, would be my pick. But again, it's more atmospheric. You don't yeah, yeah. hum it. You know the Batman score? That's a really good one. Mm. Also Hans Zimmer, right? Yeah. Well, we should get John Williams to come on the podcast now. Uh, I would actually actually die, I think. Like, I would just die on the spot. Yeah, I think... I I get very nervous and have, like, imposter syndrome. And and when, when I, every so often do interviews with like, you know, the, the kind of random minor league guys that we can get on the show or kind of, you know, uh, executive and, and outside people and stuff. So a legitimate star like that. Yeah. I would, uh, I would not be able to, to do that. <laughs> All right. So we will shift over to our way too early draft updates and it really isn't way too early anymore because the college baseball season is basically, it's basically over. Um, some of the players that we've been talking about here are playing on teams that are going to be in the College World Series. Most of them aren't, though, so it's going to be a fluid situation here because the black brackets are uh, about to be made. Um, my two guys, Chase DeLorde and Landon Sims, they both got hurt, so it's a moot point, but neither James Madison University or Mississippi State University are going to be in the College World Series this year. Cal State did not qualify, so that's the end of Dylan Beavers. Um, Jace Jung from Texas Tech, he is, and Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech, same. So they're the only two college players that are still going to be, um, we'll still be getting some updates from. Front runners. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chippewa Junior College, they did not make the JUCO Division One World Series, so Cam Collier's season is done. And looking at our high school players, American Heritage High School, their season is over. Um, Orchard Lake, St. Mary's High School, though, they're still playing. And Brock Porter had a pretty good week. Did he? Wait. Yeah. I went and looked on Max Preps, and it, didn't, it said he didn't pitch this week. He threw a no-hitter. Again? Unless the, I am... Which day are you looking at? The 24th, I believe. Huh. Max Preps is lying to me. Unless uh, I was a week... I know he threw one... 
he did throw a no hitter on the twentieth. Mm. Uh, that might be of what I was looking at. Though. But I don't believe he's pitched since then, unless they just haven't. It's possible they've not updated this yet. Um, I like the idea of him throwing back to back no hitters on four days rest in high school. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, he has thrown back-to-back no-hitters multiple times. Uh, has he? He started the season with back-to-back no-hitters. What the hell, man? He's just better than the competition. It's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't... According to Max Preps, he hasn't pitched, and he's been pitching pretty consistently mm-hmm. on, like, a week-plus of rest, so... I don't know. Oh, well. Damn. I thought he threw another no-hitter. He's real good. It yep. is. <laughs> All right, so, well, that basically concludes our not-so-way-early draft updates at this point. I mean, what is it, a month and a half away at this point? Uh, Yeah, like the middle of July. Yeah, I should know this off the top of my head. It is Sunday, July 17th, so, yeah, basically eh, six, seven weeks away. Yep. It's interesting that, really, this year none of our – selections kind of fell off the face of the earth. A lot of times we'll pick a guy and they'll just kind of underperform and they'll go from what was at the beginning of the year, you know, a reasonable selection in that range, wherever the Mets would have been picking to not so much this year. That didn't really happen. Very happy. I chose, uh, Jace Jung over Robert Moore. (laughs) Yeah. Robert Moore would probably be, uh, (laughs) Probably going to be like a second or third rounder. I mean, Robert Moore was getting top 10 buzz. Like, oh, is Dayton Moore going to draft his kid? And I haven't read a word about him in Yeah, months. he's been slumping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that'll happen. He's a, a second base only guy too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. He's going to have to hit with a lot. Like a, with like a defensive-minded profile almost. It's. I mean, so the idea was he was going to hit, but that mm-hmm. hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Like he hit last year, so. Well, good, good choice then. Yep. I'm gonna say you uh, chose the right second baseman. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's look at our affiliates now. And first up are the Syracuse Mets. They played the Rochester Red Red Wings this week. And as we record on Sunday, Syracuse went one and four with Sunday's um, game still remaining. And they are 15 and 30 on the season, which is dead last in the International League. And it's actually worse than the entire International League period. There, there were some bright spots though, so no worries. Um, Jake Mangum, he got promoted to Syracuse and he had one hell of a start. He went, uh, nine for 20 with three doubles and two stolen bases in his first week. So that's good. Uh, Khalil Lee, he is back from his little excursion to St. Lucie. Nothing down there uh, suggested that he was kind of getting back on track, but he did have a productive week this week. He went 5 for 18 with two doubles, two steals, and only six strikeouts in five games. So maybe he is riding the ship there. At least his strikeout rate starts with a three instead of a four. Exactly. It's baby steps, you know. Come on, Khalil. Make 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 my faith in you. Uh, reward my faith in you, please. Uh, Nick Plummer, he got called up to the Mets, so he didn't really play. But I'm assuming his promotion is only going to be a temporary thing. You know, once once Brandon Nimmo is is all healed up with his wrist and everything, that he gets sent back down. I don't think that, so. 
because uh, Jankowski's hurt. Yeah, I think that that's is true. true. That is true. I he broke his finger, so he's going to be out for a while. So unless I mean, they you roll, could, you could in theory justify McNeil as your fourth outfielder, but yeah, I, I'm inclined to think that Plummer will stay up for a bit. Uh, I want to see Plummer get sent back down, mm. just because that outfield will be insane. Plummer, Mangum, Lee, Mangum, and Lee. You have three legitimate center fielders who, at worst, they're like defensively average. Like that is. We have seen in the past, like, sometimes, I mean, obviously, most famously, Beltron and Mike Cameron comes to mind. Like, you know, when you have guys that are instinctually center fielders and want to take charge and they're not going to give up, sometimes it's not the best. But all of the range of those three guys is goddamn. I do wonder if Mangum has a continues his hot start and Plummer starts slow if they swap them in the majors. We'll see. I mean, they have to... Because Jankowski's like, going to be out for a while. Like, he had surgery on his finger. Like, Really? It was not yeah, good. I think six to eight weeks. Yeah, he's like, he's going to oh, miss wow. legitimate time. So, um, if that's the case, then Mangum, like, there's not really anything holding him back from... Yeah, but, getting, but they have you know to I mean? make a 40-man move. They might lose checks notes. Uh, I actually don't know who the worst player on the 40 is right now, but... It's no no one you should care too much about. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of space for that, and I wonder if if they get a little uh, aggressive with that stuff if they see uh, a path to do so. You might lose Gosuke Kato. Yeah, right. Oh, no. Well, two other guys that are on the 40 had uh, very opposite weeks. Mark Vientos, it's warm weather now, and we know... What happens when it's warm? Mark Vientos mashes. Basically, in 19... I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what the hell. I know that it is easier to play baseball in warm weather. But it's like... I don't know. I don't know why it's... It is just so odd. In 19 games in April, he hit 164, 257, 312 with one homer, seven walks, and 21 strikeouts. He has 16 games now in May, and he's hitting 317, 388, 667 with six homers, seven walks, and 23 strikeouts. It's like clockwork. Like, I mean, I it's, it's gone from a weird oddity or a, is he just starting low at the level to, okay, this dude just can't hit if it's below 60 degrees. <laughs> it's good that we need to add a, fan, a, a, a a split a weather based split to the Fangraphs leaderboards for Mark Vientos at this point. Although, well, it's not necessarily. Well, I guess I'll have to amend all this because it's not necessarily warm weather because that this this exact same thing happened in Colombia and obviously South Carolina is like warm all the time. But he was bad the first month and a half, two months of the season, whatever, and then the second half he was pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, at it's this point he's just. A sl- it's just you could label him a slow starter, like yeah. overall, and it's not even like a slow start. Like he's bad in the yeah. first. <laughs> Every year we're like, oh, is this the year? Like he finally falls down. Like the like he's gonna be like a ten. The he's gonna be in the closer to ten range than four or whatever, and then he hits three fifty the rest of the year, and it's like, well, all right. <laughs> the psychology of it or whatever is something I just don't get. I don't know. But yeah, he is. Uh, he had. He had a good week, and he's having a good May. And uh, the other guy in the 40-man, Thomas Epucky, not so much. 
uh, well, he got promoted to the Mets. He made a start, sent back down, and it uh, did not go very well. No. No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's putting it nicely. Like I, I said a couple of weeks ago, it looks like he just doesn't have major league stuff. It's just missing that it factor, and yeah. it's, it's just missing that it factor, and I don't know. I don't even know if he would be good as a reliever. Nah, I mean, at this point, like, yeah. just watching that game, it was very evident that nothing he was doing could fool a major league hitter. Like, even he was spamming his breaking stuff. Yeah. It didn't matter. You know, like, it just... He, he, I, I don't really know where he goes from here, but it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's he, unfortunate. Colin Holderman is having a good good yeah. season. Yeah. And the old oh. saying goes, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect, and that's doubly true when you're an organization that can't successfully rehab pitcher injuries worth a damn. So, Good old Mets. Uh, not a not a good thing to struggle at since pitchers break. It's it's what they do. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. Matthew Allen has already had a big arm injury. That's all it's. It's it's been something I've been thinking about since. Don't how talk bad, about it. How bad it's gone for the Mets in recovering Tommy John surgeries, and then like Zapucky's a perfect example. We've heard like no news about him either, right? No. Like, since he the said, yeah. ulnar nerve thing, we haven't heard a peep. Yeah, he said that in, like, February or something. Not, yeah. No, maybe not because of the lockout. But whenever Camp was, like, going in earnest, and he was like, yeah, I had I had the owner reposition. And then Still hoping I, to pitch this year. Yeah, and then it was like, well, maybe you, maybe you don't, but, you know. <laughs> we'll see. Best to not get your hopes up because then they can't be broken. Because, because Mets, of course. All right, next team up is the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They played the Reading Fighting Phils and went three and two with one game remaining. So that puts them at 15 and 28 on the season, last in the Eastern League Northeast, and just like Syracuse, actually dead last in the entire league. Francisco Alvarez, he is heating back up. He had a great week, uh, mostly on the power of an amazing four for four day that he had. He went six for 21 this week so far with two doubles, three homers two walks and four strikeouts. Uh, he, you know, he, he got off to a really great start and then pitchers started to adjust and he was struggling a little bit for, I don't think it was an entire month, but a good a two, weeks. three weeks. It was like yeah. two weeks. Yeah. And it's looking like he's adjusted to their adjustments because over the last three series that, that he's played, he's hitting about a, a 300 average and he has a 836 OPS. So, it's it's hardening to see. Yeah. This is what good uh, prospects do when they uh, go to a new level. They struggle sometimes and then figure it out. Mm-hmm. Brett Beatty, he was unfortunately put on the disabled list. Um, he didn't get hurt on the field, and we haven't heard whispers that it's anything terrible. So hopefully it's just a minor thing. And he'll be back on the field, ready to go sometime in, like, the beginning or middle of June. But knock on wood. I don't know. By the way, extremely classic Mets for them to, like, not put him on the IL right away and, like, have him sit on the bench for, like, <laughs> five days and not play and then put him they on the had him, They had him play one game this week. He was, yeah. like, 0 for 4, so. 
<sighs> it's almost it, it might be weird, but I almost find this a little encouraging because it's not that he's been bad, but he hasn't been awesome. Maybe he's just been playing through a little nagging something. Um, just take care of that before it gets any any worse, or he develops bad habits, and hopefully he comes back and has a strong rest of the season. Yeah, when I was when I was writing my notes and everything, I looked at you know, obviously looked at his stats, and I did not realize his slugging percentage was as low as it is. It's mm-hmm. like concerningly low. But hopefully, you know, this is kind of an explanation as to why. Yeah. Look, he didn't, as long as it's, the only thing that would possibly concern me here if it was like some sort of bad shoulder thing, because shoulders linger and can permanently cause problems, we have no reason to believe it's that right now, so. Do we know what it is, what what his injury is? I've seen nothing. I've seen nothing, I've heard nothing, I know nothing. But All that's right. that's kind of good because, you know, again, if it was something major, we would have, you know. Yeah, Dacoma would have tweeted about it if it was a big deal or something. Yeah. But we'll see. We will see. Uh, rounding out the big three now, Ronnie Mauricio, he went two for 17. Not great. But he did steal base, so okay. And more importantly, he only struck out three times in four games. So that's, you know, progress. Yeah. I mean, his problem isn't the strikeouts, though. It's that he swings at everything. He's got not quite the Ahmed Rosario problem, but the Ahmed Rosario Jason problem where he swings at everything but has good enough bat-to-ball to make contact. It's just terrible contact. And then Yeah. I mean, one eight, uh, 143 bat this week, so. Yeah. and Stuff he's putting in play is just shit. Some of that's probably luck, but not all of it. No, yeah. I'm going to say a lot of that is just really bad like you're saying, really bad swings resulting in really bad contact, resulting in very easy plays. Yeah, he just has really bad swing decisions, and that's a tough thing to fix. You can, but... Well, he's hoping he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is really everything going on with, with, with uh, Binghamton. Same thing like Syracuse. The team can score runs... But pitching, not good. Um, the one interesting starter on the team, Jose Budo, not really doing that great. He has a four ERA in his second go-round with Bingo. He does have an 11.8 strikeout per nine rate, which is pretty good. Well, I should say it's pretty excellent. Give him credit mm-hmm. what credit is due. But really, other than that, you know, the rest of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies pitchers, starting and relief, have been pretty forgettable. Only... Kind of semi-interesting development is Michael Otanez is not walking the ballpark. But the stuff is kind of underwhelming in so much as it's just a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, and that's really it. So And it's straight as an arrow. So Yeah. I mean, not to take away a guy that could throw 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah, but, but like in the majors, that's going to be a problem for him. It's the worst 100-mile-per-hour fastball I've ever seen. Like a, like a Gerson Batista. Threw real hard. It was super straight. And in the majors, it doesn't matter if you throw that hard. You know, like, Freddie Freeman's going to handle that when some guy in double A just who hasn't seen Vila like that isn't. Using that as two extreme examples, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not throwing 102 straight as an arrow by Ronald Acuna three times. Maybe once. But you need some other stuff. And that's not there for him yet, so. 
It's also a small enough sample. I think that's the big point there is that the walks, they might just be lurking around the corner. Yeah, that yeah, true. That, that's true too. Like, I mean, as a reliever, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he probably has like 12 innings, 14 innings, you know. Michael Otanias. I'm misspelling Otanias, I think. O-T-A-N. He might be spelling. Why did probably. I add an, why did I add an H? Like um, <laughs> you're probably O-H. misspelling Michael because it's M-I-C-H. No, I got that part right. Oh, okay, okay. Um, 14 innings. Yeah. Like, okay. the walks could, uh. Yeah, that's nothing for a reliever. Yeah, one bad inning and that's kapui. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Because Binghamton needs wins. And the Mets need pitching. Yeah. And the Mets need pitching. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply all right next up are the brooklyn cyclones and they played the Bowling Green Hot Rods, and they are two and three on the week with one game remaining, and that puts them at nineteen and twenty-four on the year, which is fourth place in the South Atlantic League North. Uh, they scored twenty runs in a game on Friday, which is impressive, no matter how you cut it. That, and game, then, that game was a lot of fun. They had yeah. ten runs by the fifth inning, and then they scored ten more in the sixth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Jalen was one for five in that game. Yeah, no. They, they, that's the thing. It's like all the, there are not many big names on this team to begin with. It's basically just a bunch of complimentary players and like they all kind of had. Going off. Is that thing? Uh, Swazi. Is that how you pronounce it? I've been pronouncing it wrong in my head. I mean, before. you haven't, you haven't been inundated by political commercials, Swazi for governor? Honestly, I've seen way less of them than I expect. Mm. Well, yeah, that's how I learned how to pronounce Swazi because I always thought it was Swazi as well. So, so he's a relic of Wilpon's past. That one, <laughs> yes, yes, he is. But he's been um, good this week. Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of him, Rowdy Jordan, Jose Peroza, Brandon McGillway, Nagatis, like you know, guys that are kind of complimentary, not really prospecty, but you know, guys every, to just know. Every single organization has guys like this. Every, yes, the, the the pick the worst farm system in the league and they have multiple guys like that not saying that they can't pop or they won't or whatever they might but they don't have ones with names as good as rowdy jordan no or shervy and newton but he didn't have a good week unfortunately he had one he had a pretty good week against hudson valley two weeks ago but this week he cooled back down he went four for 20 all of them were singles not great 
Jalen Palmer had a little bit of a better week. He was four for 16 with a double and a homer and uh, two walks to five strikeouts, but, you know, not a lot of playing time, and the playing time that he did get wasn't really that great. Um, the two college pitchers that are finally in Brooklyn, Carson Seymour and Mike Vassell. Seymour, he made his first Brooklyn start and looked kind of pedestrian. Vassell is pitching today, so, you know, we will not get to cover that, but hopefully he's a little better. But, yeah, Brooklyn, it's, I don't know. Hopefully they start getting some St. Lucie guys up there. Yeah, yeah. Alex Ramirez promotion when? Yeah, I don't know what he's still doing in St. Lucie, but. (laughs) Well, now we will get to the only enjoyable uh, segment here in St. Lucie. They play the Dunedin Blue Jays. They went 3-3 against them. And they are 29-16 for the year. And they are four games in front of the Jupiter Hammerheads. Uh, Ramirez, though, he did have a rough week. Actually, I did not uh, incorporate the game that they played today. They played a noon game. But prior to the noon game that they had today, he was 1 for 15, which is not great. Mm. Um, Stanley Consuegra, he's a little better. He was 4 for 15 at the homer. Uh, on the pitching side of things, Dominic Hamill, he gave up four runs over five-plus innings with nine strikeouts. So strikeouts good, runs bad. That was a weird one too. Like they all happened in one inning. Yeah. He um, because I was recapping those. He threw like four scoreless or five. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then um, just got ambushed in one inning. So that's that, that's kind of one that's a little harsher as an like it it ends up being an uneven outing, but there's a lot to take away from it. You know what I mean? One of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I still think that I I just every time I see one of his breaking balls, I still think there might be something there. I oh, uh, they just need to have him not throw his fastball, make him throw yeah. his thing. But yep, they, he's throwing his fastball too much. You know. Also, don't make him start. But I mean, if they're making well, Keyshawn Askew ask start. They're gonna make him start, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Like, yeah. like that dude is a literal drop-down side armor, and he's starting games. So I think that's just their organizational philosophy to start have mm-hmm. guys start early on. And if they think you're just, if you're in the bullpen early on, they might just think you're trash. Like honestly, is Keyshawn Askew the new Stephen Valines? Let's hope. That'd be fun. A lefty Stephen Valines. <laughs> Um, who else? Who else do we got? Oh, Levi David. He walked another two people in a third of an inning. So that gives him 17.6 walks per nine. Pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. That's just wild. Like, uh, literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not great. They had some new names join the team, though, I and mean, that's a little exciting, at least. Yeah, we'll get to them in a little bit. Um, some of the other guys, got to give credit because one hell of a day that these two guys had. It was actually, again, today's Sunday, uh, no, Sunday's noon game. Junior Tillian hit three home runs in the game. Omar De Los Santos hit two home runs and a triple, so not bad. But, Tillian yeah. Interesting. Yep. He's a big, tall one. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, uh, you know, those are kind of complimentary guys. The, the main names, you know, had eh weeks, the complimentary hitters, 
some relievers. They had, you know, solid weeks. But really, the main story with St. Lucie was just all the uh, roster moves. Uh, the Mets did some spring training. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> they did some spring cleaning. And a bunch of roster moves were made over the course of the past week. Basically, more or less in preparation for the start of the Florida Complex League season, which we'll talk about in a little bit more detail next week, right before the season begins, and we have some more clarity into the roster. Uh, there are a bunch of guys that were promoted or demoted, so we'll touch on, you know, all of those, majority of those moves. Um, we'll start with the bad news first, I guess, and baseball is a business, and unfortunately not everybody makes it, and the Mets released a couple of guys. They released right-handed pitcher Evie Rubal, Dan Goggin, Colby Morris, Jason Valera, and outfielder Antoine Duplantis. Uh, Rubal is a local guy. He's from Livingston, New Jersey. He got drafted out of Notre Dame by the Dodgers and spent a couple of years with them in their system before getting released and then signing with the Mets last season. Dan Goggin. He was drafted by the Mets in the 19th round of the 2019 draft at James Madison University. Colby Morris, he played baseball at Middlebury College, uh, which is a Division three school in Vermont. And he went undrafted, but he was signed by the Mets last season. Jason Valera, he was an international free agent that was signed out of Venezuela all the way back in 2015, uh, towards the end of the 2015 to 2016 signing period. And then Antoine Duplantis was drafted by the Mets in the 12th round of the 2019 draft out of LSU. Out of all those guys, Valera and Duplantis, I guess, were the most well-known. I'm not going to say best or, or good or anything like that, but definitely the most well-known. Valera, like many people, had a great season when he was with the Brooklyn Cyclones. He had a 183 ERA in 73.2 innings with them, with 50 hits allowed, 22 walks, and 78 strikeouts. Not to take anything away from him, but, you know, pitching in Brooklyn can make anybody look like Cy Young. So, yeah. It was a top season in Brooklyn history, though, pitching-wise. You know, top 20, top 15, give or take, whatever. So, even among all the guys who have had their stuff amplified in Brooklyn, it was, you know, on the... uh on the better side. So again, credit where credit's due. And um, Antoine Duplantis, he was one of the many seniors that was signed in 2019, and he was kind of like Jake Mangum liked. Mangum broke Eddie Furness's conference record for most hits in the SEC at the end of April, and then set a new MSU all-time record with 383 hits. And then Duplantis broke Furness's record for most SEC hits about a month later, and then set a... LSU all-time hits record with 359. Uh, unlike, you know, Mangum, though, who hit a cumulative 281, 347, 410 as professional, Duplantis hit a cumulative 229, 287, 316 as a professional. So that's why he is now released. So let's pour one out for all these guys. Grip in peace. Mm-hmm. To counterbalance that bad news, though, hopefully we have some little bit more happy, optimistic news, and that is Daniel Nunez. He was sent to St. Lucie to start his rehab assignment. He was signed by the Mets towards the end of the 2016 to 2017 international free agent signing period, and he was kind of blossoming into a solid 
pitcher, a starter who probably would be better served as a reliever, um, thanks to a pretty good slider. But then he was taken by the San Francisco Giants in the 2020 Rule 5 draft, and he ended up having to get Tommy John surgery, so he never actually pitched for them and was returned to the Mets at the end of last season. And, um, you know, he's doing his, his rehab now, so hopefully maybe he comes back healthy and everything's looking good. He was throwing bullets in his rehab, his, his first rehab, uh, start on Saturday. He was, you know, sitting 96, touching 99. So. I hope they're aggressive with him because he's like 26 and. Yeah, yeah, he's a little. a minor league free agent, so if there's anything in that arm and the Mets have such little up and down reliever guys, he should low-key be a shout to be in Syracuse and maybe even get some major league time if things go kind of sideways with the pen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is on the older side. Um, you know, he's doing rehab, obviously, in single A, and he has pitched in high A, so. And, like, he was a the, – the Giants saw enough in him to, like, give him that a chance like that, so. Yeah. I mean, it is a is it, it it is a pretty good slider. He only threw two of them in this past rehab start that he had, um, but it has a shit ton of of drop. It's one of those gyroscopic ones that kind of is more like a curveball. But we'll see. The Mets, like you said, definitely can use some relief, <laughs> relief, relief. I mean, it's, it's, I think this is something we consistently disagree with the Mets about in that they push some of these guys way too slowly. Um, so like Thomas said, hopefully they do not do that here, but I am not super optimistic. Oh, me neither. Yeah. I hope they do. What mm. I think they'll do is like slow play it and then he'll be a minor league free agent. Like, because that's, that's also the biggest, a bigger problem for me too. Like, and then he'll sign with the Rays, and he'll come up as a 28-year-old and have a 1.03 ERA for two seasons and then get traded for a top-100 prospect. Exactly. I can see it now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like maybe the Giants taught him something while he was there. Who knows? Like, we need to see way more, but also the Mets don't have the luxury of of weight of letting him slow play it, especially yeah. at his age. Like, Zapucky looks like He's not going to be able to do anything at the major league level. And the only guy, the next guy up is Eric Orzi. And then it's like Alex Claudio. Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they're, Mm -hmm. they're an injury or two away in the pen from like being in trouble there a little bit because we're so far out from the deadline and no one's going to trade with you now. Like just be aggressive with him. If he shows any type of utility, because he's 26, he's not a kid. He's not 19. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, if he can go out an inning, and throw 98, and throw a couple of decent sliders. Screw it. Throw them in the major league bullpen. See what happens. The Mets at least have a little bit of a buffer and a little bit of enough of a luxury to be able to do that without, like, you know, having to worry that every single game is a must-win situation, so. Oh, by the way, we get starting left fielder Nick Plummer tonight. Nice, nice. Woohoo! do 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 they, they They finally give a... Uh... McNeil a day off for the first time in what feels like eight years. Mm. Well, apparently he was going like senile yesterday and seeing things, so. What? Oh, yeah, he was like, I saw an eagle and then I hit my <laughs> home run. <laughs> what? I yeah. missed this. What the fuck? In the post game. Yeah, he was like tripping. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I saw an eagle <laughs> flying around or some shit. I was like, all right. What but. the hell? <laughs> 
Uh, Jeff in his locker today. I don't believe that Jeff McNeil's a Jeff McNeil's a social experiment. <laughs> the most 180 vibes guy I've ever seen in my life. Because last year it was like the saddest puppy around, and this year he's dancing and after he hits home runs and hitting 350 again, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever he's doing, keep doing. If yep. it means if it means hitting the uh, crack pipe a little bit, whatever. <laughs> as long as the home runs keep coming. All right, so um, all those roster moves now. As mentioned uh, last week, Carson Seymour and uh, Mike Vazel were promoted from Single A St. Lucie to High A Brooklyn. Um, we covered before center fielder Jake Mangum was promoted to Double A Brooklyn from Double A Brooklyn to Triple A Syracuse. Uh, Khalil Lee was promoted from St. Lucie to back to Syracuse. Uh, Carlos Cortez, who has been struggling to put it lightly, he was demoted from Syracuse down to Brooklyn. Uh, excuse me, Binghamton. And in addition to those moves, the Mets promoted a couple of guys who have yet to make their um, debuts this year. So first up was right-handed pitcher Saul Gonzalez. He was a prep pitcher that was drafted in the 23rd round of the 2018 draft out of Mount uh, Verde Academy in Puerto Rico. And between his age and COVID and everything, he hasn't really pitched very much. And he is super raw. And he is 22 at this point, And he has like 20 innings under his belt, which is... Not good for a player's future development, mm. but he throws a slingy fastball that sits in the low to mid nineties. That's about it. But he's like six foot seven, almost like three hundred pounds. So how do you not root for a guy like that? Chonky boy. It's just yeah. fun. Um, next up is catcher Vincent Perozo. So you could add him to the Jose Perozo and uh. At least he has a different oh, Peraza, yeah. I mean, it's just it's a it's a comedy of Perozas and Perozas here. But he was signed out of Venezuela on the first day of the 2019 to 2020 IFA signing period, and he had a so-so season in the complex last year. But it turns out that he was playing with a nagging shoulder injury, and he still managed to have a, a 6.18 OPS as an 18-year-old international signing without any prior DSL experience. So that's pretty good. Mm. And Baseball America is really high on him. They have him ranked. 25th top prospect in the Mets system. And apparently his name has been floated around in multiple trade discussions for multiple teams. So he is a guy that is valued by other organizations. So that's definitely good to see. And he is definitely a guy that we will watch his career with great interest. All right, Steve. <laughs> At the that's, plate. That's really interesting because BA is typically the best connected on the IFAs before they. Yeah, yeah. That is uh-huh. the, the Ben Badler is really good at what he does. So, um, you know, at, at the plate, offensively, is a solid swing, a good eye, and enough power, they think, to hit double-digit home runs eventually. Behind the plate, the arm is only average, and he has a kind of slow transfer, but he's good as a receiver and a framer and should be at least an average defender. So, you know, there's a lot of years to go, obviously, but... You know, if you don't have coal, it can't become a diamond. So mm. the risk is risk is great here. It's just, well, I shouldn't even say the risk is great because if he doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Who cares? But the likelihood, I should say, that is uh, of him working out is not particularly high. But you know what? Andy Andy Rodriguez is hitting two sixty eight, three forty four, seven uh, 
478 right now. So it can happen. Man, that trade, that we were all like generally happy with that trade and that might not work <laughs> out so well for them. Yeah. What was that? That was the trade that got Lucchese for? Lucchese, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, entered, they inserted themselves into the uh, Joe Musgrove trade with right, the Pir- right. Padres and uh, Pirates. I mean, if Lucchese didn't immediately injure himself, then it could sure. have been. Yeah, we could sure. Uh, hey, we could use him right now. Yeah. No, oh, he'd be so valuable right now. Mm-hmm. Well, last and certainly not least is the last roster move that was made, and right-handed pitcher Joel Diaz was sent to St. Lucie. He was signed by the Mets on the first day of the 2021 to 2022 signing period last year. He put up great numbers in the DSL. He got a ton of prospect helium coming to the season. And he's here. He, he pitched his first game stateside and he tossed four innings against Dunedin, Dunedin, excuse me, uh, gave up four runs on three hits. He walked two and he struck out three. And a lot of times, I don't want to say especially with the Mets because, you know, I, I don't really have uh, what's the, what's the right word? You know, we're only on the inside looking out here. But a lot of times, you know, the Mets will hype up players and boost players up. And I guess we've seen this and we've been hurt enough that I was very, you know, eh with him, regardless of the numbers that he put up last year. But we do have some confirmation now and he does indeed throw very hard. Um, the two-seamer... He was basically 88 to 97 with it. He averaged 94. Four-seamer, basically more or less the same thing. And then he complements that with a curveball and changeup. Neither one of those pitches are devastating right now, but they're solid for an 18-year-old pitcher, and there's still years and years and years for him to, you know, improve on all of those. So we did not rank him in our top 100 uh, oh, oh my god imagine doing a top 100 press oh my <laughs> god there's like 120 <laughs> players in the organization total uh, he was not ranked in our top 25 prospect list um again I, i'm only going to speak for myself but again I, I you know you you hear about you see a a player put up good numbers in the dsl and you hear all kinds of puff from you know sources and you're just like all right well this is you know of course the Mets are going to say that this dude is, is amazing and everything like that. But there is uh, some fire where there was the smoke, apparently. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, in the era of spin rate, this is an interesting conversation I've not seen discussed too much. Uh, spin rate growth, right? We, we've, the, the spin rate, uh, Metrics are fairly new, and we keep hearing about guys reinventing themselves with higher spin rates, but I don't know that we've seen a lot of research or writing on how uh, what, like, typical prospect growth in terms of spin rate is, right? Do Is this something that guys typically improve steadily? Is it something that kind of is what it is unless you remake things? Is there an age component to it? That Things like that, because we haven't had the data for long enough, honestly. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to get – I'm not going to – write the guy off because his spin rates aren't elite up front, but uh, probably something to keep an eye on over time. Yeah, that was really the only... I mean, you know, look at the numbers, discount the numbers, especially since it's literally his first start. I, I do not I do not care. I do not <laughs> exactly. Care less. But, like, the only two things that you could 
I don't want to say criticize, but the only two things that were just like, oh, okay, with the start was that, as mentioned, like the spin rates for his fastballs were just kind of eh, pretty pedestrian. And I don't like that he short arms the ball. It just, it, it, it worries me, especially when you're throwing, you know, when you're hitting 97 with that. Some guys, like it doesn't really matter and they can do that, but just any kind of potential injury situation with a pitcher and the Mets, it's just no, I don't want to. I don't want to. But been one thing too that many I, times. <laughs> I've been, yeah. One thing though that I did notice, I was looking at his numbers and the stats and all that kind of stuff when I was, um, you know, I, I saw that he, the way that he throws and everything like that. But countering that is the fact that ML, MILB.com lists him at zero foot zero and zero pounds. So can he injure himself if he's actually like ethereal? <laughs> so all right, this has to. What, here's the better question: If he's a batter, where is his strike zone? Does it exist? It doesn't. So technically, he's he's the biggest cheat code of all time. He yeah. walks a hundred percent of his bats. Best leadoff hitter <laughs> so of all time. Bottom nine bases loaded, two outs, World <laughs> Series on the line. Send him up. God damn it! <laughs> it is amazing. He might at some point in the season, um, like gain a physical manifestation mm-hmm. and grow, but who knows? Maybe that's why BA has been hyping him up so much. They just it, it, this they've discovered a new cheat code for baseball. <laughs> if you don't exist, you don't have a strike zone. Uh huh. If you don't exist, the Mets can't break you. Also, yes, also very way. true. They will, yeah, they will find the way. The ghost boot. Uh. But yeah, there's definitely stuff to like about him, and he is a you know he is an 18 year old, and and you see good things, and arguably he is the best pitching prospect that that the team has. That's I mean, sad. That is depressing. Yeah, Matthew Allen has underwhelmed. Oh, excuse me, Matthew Allen is injured, and the, the college pitchers have have all pretty much underwhelmed. So I guess Calvin Ziegler has a shout at it. Yeah, yeah that is probably, true. That is true. I think it's probably Ziegler at this point. Yeah, he, uh, that, he that is. That Diaz uh, is has a case is uh, Im- illustrative of the point you're making. You're like yeah. Diaz is two then, like you know, <laughs> not, not <great. laughs> still not great. Yeah. So yeah, um, we'll see. There might be some more moves this upcoming week. And then obviously the Florida Complex League season starts at the beginning of uh, June, so we'll see what other stuff takes place to set up uh, Florida Complex League season. So if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complexqueens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at elvahos343. Ken is at Ken1191, and Thomas is at said Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get podcasts from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back. Yeah, we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.